the answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? That was the conclusion you woke up with this morning. Is Chinese hero LeBron James? I'm American hero Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's December 14th, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble Locals and YouTube, and we've got a post-game show as always, Rubin Report. .locals.com. We're also doing a Q&A from our Locals community today. If you want to get something in on the fly, Brock is sitting right there. He has a computer. It's connected to the internet. Is that a hardwire connection or a, uh, it is, there is some sort of internet going through this room right now in the air. He is able to receive your messages right now. Get them to me on the fly. They can then be put into Phoenix's computer, somehow sent to the thing that I'm looking at right now. And you could comment to me Ask me a question, query me, mock me, whatever you want right now, rubinreport.locals.com. How do you like my, uh, I feel like this is my Easter Sunday best today. You know what I mean? It's very festive, just wrong season, but it's all right. Anyway, the cold open that we did there, that was LeBron James speaking uh, Chinese. There is a reason we threw that to you uh, today. Of course, that was from what, about eight years ago or so when LeBron James uh, left the Cleveland Cavaliers and joined uh, the Miami Heat. Uh, but LeBron James is back in the news because he is a hypocrite. He is a giant hypocrite. He is a billionaire with a B uh, who does not like America. Uh, and we're gonna connect a guy like LeBron who has become a billionaire in our capitalist system playing basketball. He's literally living my dream uh, despite the fact that he doesn't seem to like this place, and uh, how many people throughout our institutions, both cultural, sport, political, don't seem to like the place that uh, has given them all of the opportunity that most people could only dream of. Also, we're gonna talk about California because it's a failed state. But before we get to all that, let's talk about Cozy Earth. Guys, if you're racking your brain trying to think of the right present for someone, you'll never go wrong with gifting the most comfortable sheets, clothing, and accessories that your friends and family have ever felt. I'm talking about Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth is just the best. Their sheets are soft and it helps me fall asleep right away. You want your loved ones to feel better, sleep better, and smile when they think of you. So you couldn't choose a better gift than Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth, is the softest and most comfortable sheets, blankets, towels, PJs, joggers, and more guaranteed. I seriously love this stuff. Cozy Earth only sources premium materials like premium viscous from bamboo, giving the people on your list a super soft, breathable, moisture whisking, wicking fabric, regulating body temperature and keeping them comfortable all day long and all night, no matter what the weather is. Whether it's their life-changing luxury pajamas, oh-so-soft bedding, loungewear, or plush bath towels, You'll love shopping and gift giving at Cozy Earth. And here's my gift to you this holiday season. Go to CozyEarth.com, enter code Dave to save up to 40. That's right, 40%. CozyEarth.com slash, or CozyEarth.com, code Dave, CozyEarth.com. Also guys, buy Bud Light for all your friends. It's a really great beer. Where's the check, man? All right, let's get to it. So LeBron James uh, went to a basketball game, uh, his son, is also a basketball player. Now his son, uh, Brock just told me this right before we started, is making, he's, he's in college. He goes to USC and he is the highest paid college basketball player in the country, 6.1 mil a year, 6.1 mil a year. Highest paid college athlete across sports, 
LeBron James son. Now he's a fine basketball player. That's just fine. LeBron went to one of his basketball games a day or two ago. Uh, and here's LeBron James walking in during the national anthem and, uh, yeah, sitting. I mean, what is going on here? Everyone in that stadium standing up, hand over heart, honoring America as one should do, even if you think she is imperfect, which she is, but she's pretty damn good. He just walks in and sits down. And this has been consistent with LeBron James kneeling for the national anthem, sitting for the national anthem, all of the BLM nonsense. Um, it's not good. It's not good that these people who are important to us culturally, and, and at, at a sporting level, you know, Michael Jordan, who is the true best player in basketball history, no matter what the LeBron people say, Michael Jordan went out of his way to be apolitical, right? He knew that everybody bought sneakers. Everybody watched basketball, that you watch sports and you participate in sports to get away from the day-to-day -day nonsense of the world, right? Race actually has very little to do with sports. These are the people that have injected it, this new generation, LeBron James types, right? You go to the basketball court, nobody cares what color you are when you're playing basketball. Like, can you play? If you're good and you're white, they like you. If you're bad and you're black, nobody wants you on the team. That's how it works. It's the great equalizer sports, but that's what they've done. I should note that I am taking the team to uh, the Miami Heat game tonight. And if you guys don't stand for the national anthem, no chicken fingers, okay? Because I've heard the chicken fingers, they are pretty good, and I'm not kidding. There will be no chicken fingers for anybody. You stand for the national anthem. Uh, anyway, I want to connect this to uh, the reaction to this sort of thing, because always when these people do something stupid, there's always someone to respond to it. Uh, a guy by the name of Colby Covington, who's a UFC legend, and you guys know, I always find it interesting when these people who are not particularly political they do something outside of the political world altogether. They get involved in the cultural madness because the cultural madness is, is just so maddening. So this guy, UFC legend, Colby Covington, he saw the video of LeBron James uh, sitting for the national anthem and uh, he ain't having it. If you hate America so much and, and you don't like this country that gave you a billion dollars, leave it or come deal with me. You go to China, go to, go to these sweatshops that you employ all these laborers and use these women and pay them pennies on the dollar to make your millions. F*** you, LeDrom James. You're a coward. You're a spineless coward. And you're a bitch. <laughs> I want to get that guy on the show. Like, I don't know any, I don't really care about UFC or anything, but anyone that dresses like that, the indoor sunglasses, you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Can I also tell you something about LeBron James? Uh, I'm not, a, I'm just not a fan. Like, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the NBA anymore. I know there's this seven foot five guy you want me to watch. What's his name? Wamba Halambo or something? Wimbenyamba. Wimbenyamba. All right, I get it. Like, you know, that's fine. But like, I just, I've just had it with that. You know, I watch my old games. But LeBron James, I'm playing basketball again. Even his sneakers 
They're too bulky. They're just too bulky. Get yourself an old-fashioned pair of Air Jordans. You're going to be happier. Anyway, let's just go a little further with LeBron because it's just been endless BS with this guy forever. Uh, you may remember this. This is this is a couple years ago. Uh, LeBron James being asked. He's reading the. Uh, he's apparently reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, and he was asked what his biggest takeaway from the book was. Uh, Taylor, you want to follow up? Yeah. Um, so you're holding the autobiography of Malcolm X along with Alex Haley. I don't know how far you are into the book, but what's your biggest takeaway so far? Um, I kind of just started a couple of days ago, um, but um, I've read and a lot of a lot of notes over the years. Um, it's my first time actually reading this from start to finish. Um, but just a very um, very smart man, very 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 smart man, and basically. Um, his words in the in the sixties and uh, and what was going on is actually what's going on today. Still, uh, him understanding the um, how powerful um, the Negro can be. He used that word a lot. How powerful we are, um, but we have to unite and uh, we have to be together. We have to stand strong because there's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be you know, things that's going to be thrown at us where they try to weaken us. Um, they try to fill up, make us feel like we're not kings and queens. Um, and it's going to come from all, you know, different races and different shapes and sizes and things of that nature. Um, and uh, just a very powerful-minded uh, gentleman. And, uh, and it's, it's unbelievable to, to kind of read something that's coming directly from him. About 10 different jokes that I could tell you there, and uh, most of them would end my career. So I'll just leave it at, um, that guy is the Kamala Harris of the NBA. What the high hell did he say there? No, nobody knows. It's meaningless drivel, meaningless, utter drivel. And just one more, one more from the meaningless and utter drivel category. Here's LeBron explaining what his uh, favorite scene is. His favorite line, favorite scene is from the Godfather trilogy. It is a question, uh not related to the game, but since uh, it has been a lot of publicity uh, yesterday and today about Godfather Part Two, which is the uh, the scene or or the moment or the phrase or the quote you like more from the movie? Oh, from the Godfather. Uh, um, it's, it's too many different phrases uh, and too many different lines in that movie to just uh, categorize one. Um, but which is the one which inspires you, <laughs> represents you more. I mean, each movie is nine hours long. I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I mean, there's so many. I don't know, I'll let you pick one and I'll roll with it. It's, it's a great. The horse head in the bed, the godfather dying at the end, the tomatoes, his grandson. There's like, we could do a lot here. But why do they do this with everything? How about him just say, you know what, I actually haven't seen it, or I don't remember. They lie about everything. You know, it's like that, remember that Obama clip we showed you a couple months back where that guy on Comedy Central is asking Obama what his favorite, his wrap-up music for the year was, and Obama lists out a whole bunch of songs, and then he's like, can you tell me one line from one of those songs? And Obama's like, oh, there's so many lines in all those songs. I can't tell you all the LeBron. There's so many, these movies are so long, I can't come up with, what is wrong with people? That's the theme of today's show. What is wrong with the people? Uh, anyway, speaking of things and people that are, well, speaking of people who have things wrong with them, 
Uh, you guys know that Claudine Gay is the uh, president over there at Harvard, at least right now. She's now embroiled in two scandals. Uh, on one hand, she kind of wants people to run around saying that they can kill all the Jews. And then on the other hand, uh, it has now come out that she actually plagiarized her dissertation, which eventually, of course, is what led her to becoming the president of Harvard. Everyone knows this now, like it's not up for debate on either front. And she's an embarrassment to Harvard. And Harvard as an institution, as I said, let it burn, it's fine with me, I, I don't care. Uh, but the president and CEO of the NAACP, which is, of course, the National Association of Colored People, I think we're allowed to say that, That's the, uh, he has defended her. And of course, it's, well, here we go. Here's the statement. President Claudine Gay is a distinguished scholar and professor with decades of service in higher education. The recent attacks on her leadership are nothing more than political theatrics Advancing a white supremacist agenda. So yes, the woman who could not say whether calling for the genocide of Jews uh, is allowed on campus, who now it is factual, she has plagiarized from her dissertation, and you know they're gonna find more. Where there is smoke, there is fire. So if they found it once in a couple different parts of the dissertation, they're gonna find it in some other things. Chris Rufo is all over this. Uh, follow him on Twitter if you haven't seen uh, more of what he's uncovering over there. But of course, of course, if you go after her, it's because white supremacy reigns supreme. It's just stupid and no one is buying it anymore. Speaking of people that no one is buying anymore, Gavin Newsom, who is the uh, governor of the failed state of California, he went on Seth Meyers' late night show. Does anyone watch this show? Does Who watches it? Does Seth Meyers' mother watch this show, nobody watches this thing, but they keep trotting out these horrible people to tell you that of course, it's the Republicans, notably that guy from Florida, who are the real racists. When you started planning this, did you have higher expectations for where DeSantis would be in the polls? No, I, I didn't, I'll be honest with you. I, I've, and, and I'm dead serious about this, I, I've, I've developed a lot of animus towards him because of his animus towards all of you. Um, <laughs> You know, this guy's out there scapegoating vulnerable communities. Uh, he's attacking uh, minorities, attacking women. And I don't like it. And I wanted to push back against it. And I felt like the party was a little timid on all this. I mean, you know, he's out there talking about anti-woke. And I mean this. It's, for me, it's not anti-woke. What he really means is anti-black. He's out there censoring historic facts. He's rewriting history. Uh, he was out there, you know, he eliminated AP African-American studies. He said slavery was somehow some workforce development program, and he doubled down on that. So for me, it's a very serious moment where I just felt it was important to blow back against that, against that narrative, uh, and hold these guys accountable on a network where they don't hear from guys like me ever. Uh, you're on that network all the time. You're good buddies with Sean Hannity. He says it all the time, so that's a lie. Of course, everything else he said was a lie. We'll just do it quick. Is DeSantis attacking minorities and women? I was at Whole Foods yesterday. Almost half the people there were women. I didn't see anyone attacked. I saw some minorities. Also, everybody seemed to be doing fine, buying fruit in the, in the ice cream section. Everybody was there, it's okay. The African-American studies thing, as you guys know, that is a complete lie. The curriculum was written by several black people acknowledging that some black people might have learned some skills, like becoming a blacksmith isn't, isn't endorsing slavery. It's just actually a fact. Um, and the reason that they kicked the, co the course out of Florida was because they combined African-American studies with gender queer stuff. And these things have nothing to do with each other unless you're an intersectional brainlet. Uh, but what's going on over in his uh, 
state because, you know, he's always worried about uh, the racism and all the evil stuff happening here in the free state of Florida. Uh, well, in his state, uh, a bunch of pro-Hamas protesters, they shut down the South 101 freeway through downtown LA yesterday. I think we got some video here. So look, they just jump on a highway. That is one of the major highways that goes right through Los Angeles. And look at the cops, look at the cops, 10 cop cars right there, cops walking by. You don't know if there's ambulances there. Uh, there were several school buses, so they're basically holding children hostage. Someone's trying to get home from work. It doesn't even matter what anyone on that road is trying to do. I am of the opinion, I tweeted it out yesterday, I have no problem with police just shooting these people in the leg and dragging them off, that's it. Like this cannot stand anymore. We either are a country or we are not. Now I get it. Los Angeles is a failed city, Cali is a failed state, but for everyone else out there that lives somewhere else that hasn't gone down that road yet, you better make sure that your elected officials are gonna do the right things related to this. And sometimes it can be complex because there's city state issues, there's federal highways, all of those things, but we better freaking level up because they are constantly testing us. Oh, we could send 20 green haired morons to protest for Hamas and just shut down highways in LA? We can just do that? Well, here's uh, some of the angry drivers. Uh, watch them removing some of these pro-Hamas people, and I stand with these people. Uh, I First off, I just want to say I will gladly donate if any of the people that were trying to remove them are in any kind of legal trouble now, which is exactly how stupid California is, I will gladly donate to legal defense funds uh, because they were trying to grab people off the road so they could either go to work or visit their mom or whatever it might be. It does not matter. Societies either function or they do not note. Of course, you know, they would try to frame it as they were stopping white supremacy or something, so, you know, uh, but most of the people seem to be Latino. I saw a couple Asians out there. Go to hell, Kevin Newsom. That's the end of the segment. Uh, let me talk to you guys about EnviroCleanse and then, uh, then we'll get to some community Q&A. Guys, if all home air purifiers are the same, then why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? Why is it used in thousands of classrooms across the country? Well, here's a couple reasons why. EnviroCleanse's air purifiers have patented earth mineral technology and a hospital-grade HEPA filter. They also destroy cold and flu viruses, COVID, allergy and flaming toxins, mold, and even more. So here's EnviroCleanse's promise to you. They guarantee you'll experience far fewer colds and allergies coupled with a better sleep at night. Don't believe them? They'll send you a free air quality monitor to test the difference in your home. Visit ekpure.com. Use code Dave for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home air purification unit and free air quality monitor, plus free fast shipping. That's $150 in savings. ekpure.com, code Dave, ekpure.com, code Dave. And now back to me. All right, let's dive in. Rubenreport.locals.com, community Q&A. You can get bonus questions in right now. Brock, Brock is monitoring the computer as we speak. Uh, Margot says, hey Dave, I heard psychologists say people can't remember their childhoods before the age of four. I completely disagree because I distinctly remember situations when I was under a year old. What is your earliest childhood memory? Ooh, that is a good one. Well, first off, you can distinctly remember things from before you were a year. I mean, that is wild. I guess, I guess we all, sometimes you can have like these blips of 
little images and things. I think about that a lot with the kids right now. Like we're, when we're having fun and we're throwing them around and like they're just having a ball, the idea that they're not gonna remember that. But I think, I think actually what gets coded into them is like a feeling of joy and happiness and silliness and all that. Hopefully that is like, that's not a memory, but it's like built into the storage banks that then goes with them for life. My earliest memory, so I was born in Brooklyn, 1976, and we moved to Long Island in about 79. I have a vague, vague recollection of being in our, our apartment in Brooklyn. I can sort of remember a hallway that was kind of like an orangish carpet, and I remember like the kitchen, there was no door, I remember the kitchen to the right, and can't say I remember crawling around on it, but actually my, my memory of it is like kind of low to the ground. I really remember the carpet, which makes sense if you're crawling and you're a kid or you're, you're just starting to walk or something. Like it was like a very 70s, like plush, lush carpet kind of thing. That's probably my, my earliest memory, but I would be interested to know that you, you remember things before one, like what does that even, what does that look like in your brain? There are people who say they remember what it was like to be in the womb, um, who the hell knows? Uh, John says, have you seen the trailer for the new Civil War film and what is your opinion on it? So I had not seen it and then when we were running through the show this morning, uh, we took a look at it. I'm gonna throw it to it right now. So this is gonna be in theaters, I guess in the next couple weeks, right? Theater. It's gonna be in theaters in a couple months, um, but it's getting a lot of buzz online right now. So I thought we'd watch it together and then we can comment. United States Army ramps up activity. The White House issued warnings to the Western forces as well as the Florida Alliance. The three-term president assures the uprising will be dealt with swiftly. Let me know if you want to try anything on. Are you guys aware there's like a pretty huge civil war going on all across America? We just try to stay out with what we see on the news. Seems like it's for the best. Citizens of America, the so-called Western forces of Texas and California have suffered a very great defeat at the hands of the United States military. Mr. President, do you regret the use of airstrikes against American citizens? We're moving to D.C. today. We need to go down there. They shoot journalists on sight in the Capitol. Every instinct in me says this is death. Bloody. But here we are. There's some kind of misunderstanding here. What? We're American, okay? Okay. What kind of American are you? You don't know? <laughs> Western forces will reach the White House on July 4th. Oh my God. Get in the car! Get in the car! Move, move, move! God bless America. All right, so that's only my second time watching it. I'm sure first time for many of you guys. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. I would say basically, you know, I, I like futuristic kind of dystopian couple years from now kind of movies. Uh, there is a feeling in this country that there's a lot of weirdness between red and blue and everything else. So something seems kind of cool about it. Uh, there is a chilling to it. Uh, there's, a, there's a warning. There's an uncomfortability there for sure, I would say. Uh, the idea that the Western forces of Texas and California, I mean, I'm pretty sure if we end up in a civil war situation, Texas and California are going to be on the wrong, are going to be on opposite sides of things, right? We're going to have like a Florida-Texas alliance with some other red states 
basically with New York somehow in Cali together, and it's just going to be a geographic mess and all that. Hopefully we do not go down that path, although you know me, I am for the states doing whatever is right for the states and for the citizens of those states. Um, there is something kind of, I would say it's kind of chilling in the surface. I would also say that, you know, Hollywood creates a lot of crap, although when you say A24 as a studio, it's banger. They make bangers. They make bangers. That means they make good films, I'm told. Uh, so I guess uh, we shall see. But you know, it reminds me, I'm, so I mentioned yesterday um, that I'm watching while I'm doing cardio right now, I'm watching Leave the World Behind, which is on Netflix. It's the Michelle and Barack Obama produced Netflix show about how there is a like a digital blackout. Everything basically shuts down. We showed you a clip of it, I think two days ago, where this the young black girl in the midst of all the digital shutdown turns to her dad and she's like, when the world starts up again, can we make sure white people aren't in charge? So I was like, you know what, let me watch this freaking thing. So about halfway through, I was watching it this morning. There's just, it feels like predictive programming out of Hollywood. They want us to think the digital shutdown's coming. They want us to think the civil war is coming. One of the things they do in, in Leave the World Behind is all the Teslas shut down, right? So they don't like Elon Musk, the Teslas have to shut down. The young girl is very anxiety ridden. And then there was a, even a really weird line about how, she, so she loves the show Friends. And, and then this young black girl is like, she likes, your, your daughter likes Friends, like Friends is like a throwback to a time that never existed. Like they wanna destroy old things that people love, Friends, and they wanna destroy new things that people love, Teslas. Like it's just Hollywood is evil. Anyway, uh, Sarah says, uh, hey Dave, I'm on my own personal journey trying to get back in good with God. I know that you have made a similar journey within the last couple of years. I was wondering, what do you think your light bulb moment was that really pushed you to go back to your faith Thanks for all you do. God bless. Well, I've described it a couple of times. I mean, about five years ago now, you know, I do my off the grid August thing. And, you know, usually I catch up on reading a little bit. We've tried to travel over the years. Last year, last two years have been trickier with kids and everything. Um, but, you know, we'll just kind of disappear and I'll just sit. I just like sitting on the beach and being quiet. I don't need to do like that month. I, I really don't need to do anything. I don't need to go to museums. I don't need to. I'm just like. I just want to sit and just purge stuff out of my head, just escape the matrix and all that. And that, that, that's what it is for me. And on one year, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was 2007. No, it's probably, it was probably 2018, 2019. I can't remember exactly, but I came back and I was doing the live comeback show and somebody asked me something about that. And cause we did some live questions. And it just became, it was just obvious to me that there, there is more here than just this. And I think a lot of people are coming around to that. I think that that new atheist movement that was super popular in America about 10 or 15 years ago, um, I think maybe the idea of a purely secular world can work when the system is working. But when the system is not working, People need things that are eternal. I could give you, you know, 20 lines from Jordan Peterson here. Um, but for me, uh, it's been, you know, we're now, tonight is the eighth night of Hanukkah. So we've lit candles for every night of Hanukkah. Um, we try to do Shabbat, you know, it's, it's obviously every Friday. I can't say we do it every Friday, but we're trying to do a little more of that. It's about, you know, connecting with family, knowing what your traditions and your history are. I would also say relative to me, you know, since this October 7 thing, I think it's, it's woken up something in a lot of, a lot of people right now. Um, and uh, I wish you good luck on your adventure. Keep us posted. Uh, Margaret says, hey Dave, would you consider wearing a holiday sweater one day this month during the People of the Internet show? 
I like that you think it should not be worn on the Rubin Report. We can put it over there. I feel like you have probably like 20 great ugly sweaters, kind of holiday. No, you seem like the sweater. You you don't strike me as much of a, you don't have a lot of holiday sweaters. You, you don't, you got one from college, you got it? Like, all right, we're gonna find something. I will wear something before we shut down for Christmas. I will wear some sort of holiday sweater uh, on people of the internet. Uh, Margaret says, hey Dave, would you consider, oh, oh wait, I just did that one, sorry. Uh, Eurasian says, hey Dave, I've been watching your people of the internet segments and I must admit that I was pleasantly surprised how good your co-host Isabel is. She's really smart, informed, and charming. Brock is very fortunate, don't you forget it. And she can keep the conversation going at all times. Yesterday was a good example of this. My question is, do you think the fact that we all know you happen to be gay helps the chemistry? between you two because it comes off as genuine mutual respect rather than usual older guy flirting with the young up-and-comer host. Um, I never really thought about that, but I suppose. I, I just like her. I think she's great and fun and bright and I like her perspective and all of that stuff. I thought she was always flirting with me. You're telling me she's not flirting with me on that show? I thought it was a lot of flirting with me. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes in this, right, I guess there is something there, right? Like on a lot of these shows, you get like the older guy and then the young hot chick. And like there is, it's there's this like subtle sexual tension or something like that. Um, but to me, it's like, if you, if you are around people that you like their talent, you think they're good people and everything else, you'll, you'll consistently bring out the best in each other. And I think that's what we're doing so far. Uh, Cab says, Dave, appreciate your thoughts on this scenario. The World Economic Forum is working on controlling the globe from every li living angle, economy, health, uh, travel, lifestyle, et cetera. Where do you think they have placed the Middle East, Islam believers in their plan? I think they have overlooked this little wrinkle in their takeover plan. That is an interesting, interesting question. My guess is that we do not know all of the plans of the World Economic Forum, say the globalist types, right? We know certain things. You will own nothing and you will like it. They want control over all of us of how much time we can spend driving in a car and how many flights we can take a year. And of course, they will do as much as they want. It's just for us, the peons. I don't know what the next version of that is. Now, there, there is something sort of interesting. If you want top-down control of something, uh, there is a connection, or, or I'd say there's a parallel, there's a parallel movement, let's say, between sort of the globalist and the Islamist, right? Islam is a, is a totalitarian religion. I am not judging every person who is a Muslim who believes in those set of beliefs, but it is, it is totalitarian in that if you walk away from it, you get a fatwa and they're gonna kill you. That's not great, or at least threaten to kill you, right? And it's top down, right? They will tell you how to behave. And that's very similar to the WEF thing. So I don't know, could they have some weird alliance one day down the road? Uh, although, you know, the, the largely secularist movement, which is the globalist movement, how they can deal with people who are sort of more radical in their religious beliefs, I don't know. But I do think that's partly why right now they're, they're I would say that's part two or part three of what they're going for. Right now they're trying to take out the Judeo-Christian world, right? They're going after Israel, they're going after the Christian world, they're going after the Western world that represents the Judeo-Christian tradition of the last couple hundred years of, of largely worldwide freedom. When they're done with that, yeah, it does seem like they will have a clash with Islam coming. I have no doubt they've put some thought into that. Uh, Joe says, which part of the holiday outfit is more festive, a nice red Santa hat or an ugly sweater? 
I think people like, someone walks in with the ugly sweater and you look at them and you're like, God bless you, look at you. You know what I mean? You're like, look at you, you really did it. You, you just went for it, you did it. And you know that the guy in the ugly sweater, it's pretty rare that I think the guy in the ugly Christmas sweater walks in and he's not down for a good time, right? Like that guy's getting drunk. That guy's drinking a lot of eggnog. He's knocking over the tree. He's having fun, right? He's, what's his name? Cousin, uh, what was cousin, what's his name in Christmas Vacation? Randy Quaid, what the hell was his name? Ran cousin Eddie, thank you, Cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie, there you go. It was Cousin Eddie, look at this guy. Getting references, I can't believe it. Pratt says, I'm a Canadian, feel sorry for me. <laughs> okay, uh, my question is, are these Republicans who are leaving Congress, like McCarthy, just rhinos who don't really care where the US might be headed with the Democrat Congress. So with McCarthy stepping down, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, there's a guy I think in Ohio who's about to step down too to work at a, at a local college. The Republican uh, majority could be sim as simple as one vote, as one member. And you never know, someone falls down the stairs, they break a shoulder, sex scandal, God knows what. And then before you know it, the Democrats are in charge. We have Hakeem Jeffries as the majority leader, and then the Democrats have the White House, they have the Senate, and they have the Congress, and God help us all at that point. You know, McCarthy, I think he is, I would say, largely, uh, I want to say bitter. He's, he's pissed. I, can, I think I can say that. He is pissed about what happened with Gates. Uh, as I said, you know, Thomas Massey, who's the most libertarian member of Congress, nobody doubts that, said that this was the most uh, conservative Congress that he had had in his career. Massey's been in, in Congress for quite some time so that they were doing some of those things. Now, you may be for what Gates did or not, but he I think it's clear McCarthy was doing some things. He wasn't doing stuff on Ukraine enough. I think he promised to release the January 6th tapes. He didn't fully do that. So I'm not, it doesn't matter whether you love the guy or hate the guy. You just have to think for him as a person, it's like, he's like, you know what? I, I came in here, I did the best I could. You guys took me out. And now he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go live my life. I don't know that I can fully judge him for that. You know, like politics is a freaking messy ass business. And if you can get out of it with your dignity intact and somewhat sane and everything else, then, then that's almost a miracle. So to some extent, just to make sure they could keep the majority, would it be better if he was there? I would say yes. On the other hand, just like as a human being, like he's just like, man, they burned me down. I'm getting out and I'm, I'm gonna go get a job and make some money and all that. Like, I don't know that I can fully judge him for that. Amy says, what is your favorite holiday cocktail? I'm so simple when it comes to drinks. All, I just like my tequila on one rock. I am good, but let me make it a little more festive for you. Uh, some kind of, can you throw, yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Can you put tequila in an egg, in eggnog? That sounds horrible. Can you, one of you guys give me a holiday drink. Ah, a Christmas margarita, maybe a little cinnamon, a little grenadine, so it's got some red color. We'll throw, a, we'll throw a green uh, candy cane in there. How about that? Then you have your margarita. There you go. Uh, mantra. Sounds like, a, uh, like one of the things that uh, Godzilla fought. Uh, it says, uh, you mentioned an experimental treatment you used for alopecia. Can you share what that was? Uh, your uh, bald chick. Um, so years ago, you guys, most of you guys know, I had developed alopecia areata. It was really terrible. It was when I was dealing with a lot of hate online. It's, uh, it's an autoimmune disease that they can really only chalk up to stress. I went through all the blood tests and everything else. Everything else was fine. They didn't know what, what was going on, but people do get this when they're stressed. And I was losing just chunks and chunks of hair just everywhere all over my head, like quarter size. It was really terrible. I went under this 
experimental medication, which was horrible. It was like this, like almost like this goo, like this glue that I would put on my head. And the idea was that what was happening with, with alopecia is that your white blood cells start attacking your hair follicles and they just don't know why. So you put this treatment on and it's basically like putting poison ivy on your head. The hope is that, that your white blood cells start attacking that instead of attacking your hair follicles. Anyway, I had like crazy reactions to that. I was bloated all the time. I, I was burning hot all the time. I was itchy. It was, it was terrible. And I was on camera for like a year like that. It was really horrible. So I, would, I don't even remember what it was called, but I would not remember that. But if you have thinning hair or you're going through alopecia or anything, the thing that I would recommend is PRP, platelet-rich plasma. They literally, athletes do this if you, for, I do this in my knee uh, also actually, where they take your blood out, they spin it in a centrifuge, and then they get like two vials of your plasma in your blood. It looks like, almost like, it's like goo, like sort of like a yellowish goo and they inject it back into you. So I've done this for my knee for the torn ACL. And then it, it like helps your cells. I, I don't know if regenerate is the right word, but my knee feels pretty good and I'm playing basketball again. And they can also, I've done it for my hair and they just inject it back in you and it, it helps your hair get thick and, and whatever. So uh, I would try platelet rich plasma. I'm sure your, your dermatologist knows somebody who, who does it. Um, it's not cheap. I do it like twice a year. Um, and it's, I, I would say uh, that's probably your best bet. Uh, Mary says, Dave, do you think your generation is really finally ready and fit to be leaders? And how would you change, uh, I'm sorry, and how would you describe the language that has occurred in people of your generation that could convince the older generation that you can indeed take the reins? Yes. The answer is yes. Like the, the people that right now I would say are upper 30s, that might be a little bit on the young side, but let's say upper 30s into their late 50s, early 60s, that's sort of like a very wide Gen X situation, are ready to go. We need a massive generational shift. If you think about Trump and putting aside all your, whatever your feelings on Trump are and, and Biden, they both grew up in a world where they're 80 years old. They grew up before television, literally before television. Um, they grew up in a world of radio. Just think about that alone. Uh, that's not to denigrate them. Like I can only imagine when I'm 80 years old, what the kid, what my kids are going to be like. Dad, you didn't have 3D hologram sex box when you were a kid, <laughs> or whatever. Like that's, you know, like th whatever it will be. Like you know, if you think that when you know when you're around old people and you're like, you can't believe them. My God, they didn't have that. It was like that when they were growing up. And why do they still dress like that? And that's what they used to look like and wear and the music they were like. Just try to imagine in the accelerated technological time that we live in now, what it's going to be like when we're old. Uh, but to your point, like generations have to let go because the world is changing so fast and it's so unique right now because of the last two decades of the internet that the idea that, that Joe Biden, who obviously isn't in charge, or even Donald Trump, that he can pave the way for the next four years so we can get out of some of these messes, I just think is crazy. And, and also, you know, it, if you take someone that say is 45, 46 years old, and there is a guy in Florida who's pretty good, who's around that age, who has young children, who has to pave the road for his young children to grow up in a better place. I think there's a more vested interest in that. Now, Donald Trump has grandchildren and that's fine, but I think it's different when you're looking at your, in your children's eyes going, damn, I gotta get working right now to fix this thing. But it's also just growing up a little bit differently with the internet, understanding technology under, you know, like, Think how different a kid who is 15 now, who has grown up three years of crazy COVIDness, who grew up with 
TikTok and iPads and blah, 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 how, how their 15-year-old experience is so different than my 15-year-old experience, where we didn't have any of that. We had black and white Game Boy if we were lucky. Like the world changes fast and you have, to, and, and the point of, the point of having children and generations going by and by is you hand off some of that wisdom and then you let them take the reins. And the fact that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and well, Dianne Feinstein is gone now, but like that all of these people, Mitch McConnell, who's having strokes on camera and we just like kind of, we're just like, all right, let's do it again tomorrow. Like even if Gen X was not ready to go, which they are, it's time. It really is time. Kat says, what was your favorite book growing up? What has become the boy's favorite book so far? The boy's favorite book definitely is Good Night, Darth Vader, or at least it's my favorite book reading to them. It's, I don't know, they never tell me. They never, they don't really speak much English yet. We're working on it. Um, but this Good Night, Darth Vader book, it's, it's a takeoff of Good Night Moon, which of course everyone has, and we read that to them as well. But it's, it's a really like, I, I gotta show it to you, Brock. It's like a really good take on Star Wars and they use some stuff from the prequels and some from the originals. And it's like not really pandering or there's no social justice in there and General Grievous is in there. It's just like fun and, and silly and, and Luke points to that one a lot. Um, my favorite book growing up by far, by far, and this was the first thing that really got me into reading was The Stand by Stephen King, which I read one summer I think I was in sleepaway camp probably sixth grade. So this is like 1988, something like that. And it was a freaking thick ass book and I could not put it down. And you know, it was funny. I got sick at camp for like a week. There was like something going around uh, and I was sick while I was reading it. And if you know the stand, it's about a pandemic and then what happens in the post pandemic world and everything else. It's a damn shame. You know, then I subsequently read many other Stephen King books and that, that was really what kind of got me into reading. Um, but it's a damn shame because Stephen King, he's become such a crazed leftist and on Twitter all day long, just like, I don't even follow him anymore, but just like one of these people that like, man, it's tough to separate the art and the artist. Cause I'm like, wow, you, you are a real whack job in real life. You've created a lot of great art, but it, sometimes it can be hard to separate those things. Talway says, there's so much, uh, there's so much talk about Donald Trump having a clear advantage in places like Georgia and Michigan, especially among first-time voters, both heavily Democrat states. Is this actually showing a shift in the American voter or is it a tactic being used by the press to make Republicans feel, uh, make Republicans confident and feel they don't need to vote and eventually demoralize them if they don't win? I think there is some level of that. First off, you guys know my feelings on the polls, so I don't have to talk about that. But I, my sense is it seems so obvious to me the whole machine is pushing the hell out of Trump. And everyone can have their reasons for voting him and supporting him and all that. But the whole machine wants him to be the nominee. And that tells you that he is the one that they think will be the easiest to beat. Again, when I was on Real Time two weeks ago, every time I brought up DeSantis, they brought it back to Trump. I was flying home from LA and I never watch, you know, I see stupid little clips of MSNBC, but I never have TV on with MSNBC. Uh, I, I posted the picture on Twitter. I'm watching the, you know, the crack of the seat in front of me. The guy is watching like three, it's a six hour flight, four hours in a row, three, four hours in a row of MSNBC. It's Trump, 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 Trump. Turn on CNN right now. It's most likely Trump. Why would they constantly be promoting the guy that they hate unless they all need him? They need him for clicks and views and it's doubly good for them. It's not a double-edged sword. It's, it's not a double-edged sword like it's gonna kill you both ways. It's a double-edged sword like it's got two prongs to kill you. It's on one hand, it'll get them clicks and views and on the other hand, he'll be easiest to beat. 
And I think that's just a fact. And I think that goes to your theory on, uh, on Michigan and some of these other places. Petunia says, any chance you will pop up on Jordan Peterson's tour? I just got tickets to see him and meet in, uh, and the meet and greet in Wichita. Uh, it would be great to meet both of you. That would be awesome. Um, I have reached out to Jordan about joining for a couple of those. I have no doubt we'll figure out something. He has a, it's a limited, there's no show in Miami. He's going to a lot of new places that he has not been before, but it is an American tour. Uh, it's for his new book, which comes out in January. It's called We Who Wrestle With God. I've read, I've read just a little blurb that he sent me so far. I think it's gonna be really, really spectacular. No surprises there. Um, but yeah, he's doing a massive, I mean, I looked at the dates yesterday and it's just, how many stops is it? It's like, it's like, yeah, it's gotta be like 40 stops in like 60 nights. The guy is just an absolute workhorse and it's just so good to see him not only feeling great, but just at the top of his intellectual game and everything else. So yes, I, I hope to uh, open for him and, and maybe do a little something else on stage for at least, uh, at least one, if not more. So stay tuned on that. Uh, Elizabeth says, how do you deal with negative press and comments? Is it different when it's random outlets or accounts versus uh, people you'd consider friends? You know, I've been in this game for a long time now, which is very weird. Uh, but I started doing the original Sh Ruben Report show on the Young Turks Network in 2013. So we're, you know, over 10 years into this thing right now. And I have had phases where you get a lot of love. I've had phases where you get a lot of hate. Sometimes you get a mix, you know, and, and the thing is you cannot pay that much attention to it. So on Twitter, like, I just don't look at the mentions anymore because I could get a thousand people saying the nicest things to me. You're so great. We're just wonderful. Love your suit. And then, you know, the thing that sticks in your head is one guy who says something horrible or, a you know, and also it's been so infected and it's not just Twitter, it's Instagram and all the things. They've been so infected with bots. There are so many trolls out there. You know, one of the ways the trolls are operating right now, which is, it's, it's just worth noting, um, is the trolls, they coordinate on different sites. So a lot of the troll groups, they have telegram channels where if they don't like what somebody said, so if one day they don't, they do this to Ben Shapiro a lot like these kind of like neo-Nazi type or these like groiper frog losers. What they do is they take, they'll, so the Ben will tweet out something. They take the tweet, they post it in the Telegram group and then they tell everybody, okay, go attack that tweet. And then the average person sees that tweet from Ben and they see thousands of responses saying horrible things to Ben. And then what, you're, what the average person might uh, ascertain from that is, oh my God, Ben is really hated. But it's not really true. It's just that the trolls and the bots are really well coordinated. There's a generation that grew up in the internet that, that is very nihilistic in nature. And they're using all of, all of the tools, this little device, they're using them to just, re, uh, you know, just wreck so many good things. You know, it's another thing about the, one, one of the reasons that we shut the comments down, people ask about this a lot. We don't shut, uh, the, right now, if you're watching the show, if you're on Locals, we have our chat in locals and Brock is in there right now and, and can respond to you guys and give me ideas and things of that nature. And that's where we get the comments from. And you guys have a little skin in the game because you put a couple bucks in every month and you support us and keep us independent and all that. So that's where I focus most of my energy. We also have the comments on, on Rumble because I believe that Rumble is standing up for free speech and we're in partnership with them and everything else. We shut the comments off on YouTube during the live stream because I want to encourage people through better behavior to go to those other things. But you know, as a general rule, the comment section, it's really interesting because think about it, if a video, our videos have been getting, our live streams have been getting just unbelievable views the last couple of weeks. But let's say a video gets a million views. A million views, well, 
90, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but let's say it's probably about 95% of people, they just watch the video. They don't comment on it, they don't thumbs it up, they have their own thoughts, maybe they send it to a friend, but their feelings usually are pretty good, which is why they watched, and that's it. Generally, people who comment, not always, our comments actually, and when we post to YouTube after, our comments are usually pretty freaking positive. But generally, if you were to look at the comments, it's not that you're getting a great cross-section of who is watching the, the videos and what they think. You're getting a cross-section of the types of people that comment. I'm not judging on people that comment. I think it's great to share your thoughts, but everyone should know that. It's a, it's a selected group of people. So anyway, as per the hate and all that stuff, it's part of the job, but I would tell you that the, the rewards of what I'm doing uh, far outweigh if you have not subscribed to us on Rumble, it's rumble.com slash report. If you want to play along and get some questions in, it's rubenreport.locals.com. Brock, you want to throw me a question on the fly right now? Do you have a question or a comment you want to throw me at this very moment? I will continue for just a moment while Brock looks at something. Uh, if you want to buy some merch for the holidays, daverubin.store. Is there a thing over here? Is it somewhere over here? There it is, right there. <laughs> you like that? It's right there, it's right there. You get a hat, you get a hoodie, you can get a mug and more, DaveRubin.store. Uh, we've got a new account on Twitter. It's at Ruben Report Show, where all the clips will go up. My interview with John Christ, we just put up. He's a comedian who is non-woke, funny dude, enjoyed it. Uh, he's doing a show in Miami. I think I may take part in that in a couple months. We're gonna work on that. And I'm, uh, I think I've got something from Brock. Brock, what do we have? Question, comment, what's on the people's minds right now? We've got one from Phoenix. Uh, I don't, uh, Dr. Winery says, I don't really get why sports has become a vessel of political positioning. I couldn't give two rips about what they think. I'm here to watch them play. Exactly, exactly. It's as simple as that. Like, it's not to say they can't say what they think. Everyone's entitled to say what they think, but you better know that it comes with a cost. And if you think as LeBron James, a billionaire in America playing basketball, and now your son is the highest paid college athlete in the world, and if you think that you're getting any more fans or doing the right thing by denigrating the flag in our country and everything else, no, you ain't. Is that all for today? That's all for today. But we do have a post-game show at rubenreport.locals.com in just a sec, so hang tight for that. Everyone else, see you tomorrow. Thank you for giving me the privilege to represent our city and our San Francisco values in the Congress. Human rights, reproductive justice, LGBTQ equality, respect for immigrants, and care for each other. Our safe communities require gun violence prevention, addressing new causes of crime, and supporting law enforcement with justice in police. I am running for the election to Congress and respectfully seek your support. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.